Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Aaron <laughs> from the Jess and Jibs podcast. It's been too long. If you're wondering why you're not hearing the wonderful monotone, <laughs> I'm just kidding, the wonderful <laughs> voice of our fearless leader, Nick, it's because he has been super busy with work and he asked me to take the reins for an episode, which I am happy to oblige. And because he's not here, I thought it would be great if we brought another special Genesis Gems friend back on the air for a very special episode. And who is that friend? Who's who's on with me right now? Uh, it, it's Landon. He's that special friend. <laughs> hey, everybody. He's our special friend. Yeah. Landon from the Retro Junkie <laughs> Super Show um, and also from, I can't remember the name of the Star Wars podcast, but you're going to tell me. Star Wars Ties. Absolutely. <laughs> So Landon is a great friend of the show, one of our really good friends, and we love it every time he comes on. And he's really like a, I mean, I've done Patreon episodes with Landon before. He's, he's a great guy yeah. to have on the show. Oh, All around awesome guy, so definitely happy <laughs> to have you here, Landon. Thanks, Aaron. I'm not going to live up to that, so I'm just going to go ahead and say goodnight, everybody. Thank, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> this is a great show. Great comeback. All thanks. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> So, I wanted to go ahead and, because all these holidays that happen, Genesis mm-hmm. Jam's been gone for a little while, but we're, we're coming back, we're going to come back strong. Uh, before we launch into our game, of course, which this episode is Arcus Odyssey, I did want to explain what Genesis Gems is about. Genesis Gems is a game-by-game podcast where we review one game at a time on the Sega Genesis, and we decide if it's a gem, good, or garbage. Mm. And so we will discuss that game in link during the second half of this episode. And then we will also take it to the listeners to see what you thought. And professional viewer reviewers, if we could find any, who reviewed this game back when it came out. In the meantime, I wanted to talk a little personal with Landon yeah. uh, before we get into things. Um, so, Landon, how was your break? Did you get to play any games that you wanted to play here recently? I did. My break, uh, break's been pretty good. Uh, a lot of you know, and if you don't know, I'll, I'll let you know. I have a daughter who is very young. She just turned six here a couple of months ago, and she's kind of starting to get into gaming. And her and I have been playing Sonic 2 together and Sonic Mania. She is hooked on the Sonic games. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I just forgot that I I think we might have discussed this, but I also have a daughter yeah. who just turned six a few months ago. <laughs> it's a small is, world. Uh, it's a small world, and, and she's getting super into video games also. So that's, that's awesome. I remember actually beating Sonic 2 with my son. Wow. I think this was like four or five years ago. So time flies. Mm. It really does, especially when you're having fun and trying to get, you know, younger kids hooked on what they call, well, these are old games. You don't get to make this or that. I'm like, I know the levels were already made. You had to get through them. That was that was the point. I know. It's not like, um, well, I got my son Super Mario Maker 2. Like, yeah, let me show you this level. Let me show you. And he's just like, he cranks them out. He's, he's, a, <laughs> he's going to be a smart kid who's going to make way more money than I I love it in my lifetime. I can just sense it. But yeah, that's awesome. And did you play anything personally on like, oh, just for you? Uh, personally, uh, 
and you and I talked about this off the yeah. air, the, the Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh, yeah, I just picked that up. Oh, that's that's such a good game. I mean, I'm not very far in it. I'm probably about two or three hours into it, but so far I'm hooked on it. Yeah, I picked up the demo on the Switch, and I love the Dragon Quest series in general, and I loved every minute I played of it, and while I was waiting, you know, I ordered it, still on back order from GameStop. I was playing quite a bit of uh, Dragon Quest Seven, the remake on 3DS. It's, it's great. Now, is that the one? That was the one for uh, PlayStation One, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the one that had sort of a time travel aspect to yeah. it. Yeah, and it was it, it's super grindy, but they've sort of streamlined some of that. That's and good. A lot of backtracking, but it's it's still a really really well done game and very meaty. If you like <laughs> your RPGs long uh, and full of content, that one is chock full of it. I downloaded that. I got a PlayStation Classic here over the break and did the little hack on it where you can Ooh. download games to it. And Yeah. That was one of the ones I got. I got it and uh, the translated copy of Police Knots. Oh, man. I have actually beaten that. That is well worth the play. So much like Snatcher, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Snatcher, but it's almost like they added a, a mouse-driven interface Mm-hmm. So that you can click around on objects on the the screen a bit. It's just a slightly different dynamic because mm-hmm. Snatcher, the original version, was released in an era where it was very menu driven, and the computers at the time, at least in Japan, many of them didn't have mice mm-hmm. or a mouse for you to use, mm-hmm. so everything was driven by a keyboard. So hence, like when Snatcher came to Sega CD, it was you scroll through a list of options and pick something. Unlike a typical point-and-click game where you could click on whatever on the screen. So it sort of makes sense. Yeah. That they want to evolve that. And yeah, Police Knots, Hideo Kojima game, sort of a spiritual successor to Snatcher. And another great game. Maybe, in my mind, the story's not as great as Snatcher, but it's still really solid. I can, I can agree with that. Yeah. I think it's very possible in our future, Lan and I... Since we did cover Snatcher on Patreon, you could go to patreon.com slash bitbros. And I believe you can find it there. If not, ask away and I'll find the episode for you. Um, that is definitely how you can support, support us, by the way. And yeah, I think a Patreon episode on Police Knots is in our future land. And that, I think that has to happen. I think that I think that needs to happen. I think that needs to be a thing. Uh also, speaking of Snatcher, you know, kind of trying to loop back into Sega, I heard a rumor that the TurboGrafx Mini coming out earlier, later on this year, is uh, supposed to have the TurboGrafx version of Snatcher on it. Yeah, uh, I saw that too, but I think only in Japan. Oh, boo. Yeah, boo, hiss. I will say it's pretty similar to the Sega CD version outside of the music, and of course, of course the language barrier, so... It's not too big of a loss, but yeah. it would be neat to to have that in some shape or form released over here for the first time. I feel like Konami, well, Konami sleeps on everything, and then they go and release horrible <laughs> sequels to things that nobody wants. Um, <laughs> so any chance of them like revisiting the legacy of Snatcher, in my mind, is long gone. Yeah. The only 
Kojima Cal, they'll be milking for some time. It's Metal Gear, and I think that's about it. Sad. But, but yeah, we will get more into Sega Talk here in a minute. Uh, but before we do, I'm just trying to think if there's anything I've been playing. Uh, you know, have a Switch. Been mm-hmm. playing the Switch quite a bit. So there are some Switch sales. There's actually, I have to remember to get on the PS4 tonight because I think the 5th is the last day. And there are plenty of Sega games on sale. There's plenty of indie games mm-hmm. in general. There's all sorts of games that are on sale right now that I, my friend gave me $20 and a gift card. And I need to figure out what, what I need to get. And that's so hard, especially yeah. being in my 30s and realizing I have way less time <laughs> and so my time is precious so it's like oh, I like I like the idea of this game I might buy it but will I actually play it ever hard question hard questions especially when you get in your 30s because you gotta like you said that life and and game balance is kind of kind of skewed Ooh. toward life <laughs> yeah and so what usually ends up happening is I am a sucker for collections, and so I saw things like Contra Collection on sale and Castlevania Collection and, and various Mega Man collections. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I could see myself going for something like that. And it's another way to get my kids playing some of that hardcore, oh, yeah. old-school stuff. But who knows? It's There's so many good games. We are in an era where... We are definitely not starved for choice. We could talk about back in my day <laughs> when you had about five to ten Sega Genesis games to play and you rotated between those games until you mastered them and your fingers were all blistered out. And <laughs> that was how it was. Yeah. You had maybe you were maybe a Sega kid, maybe you were a Nintendo kid. Maybe you were like me, uh, some freak family that had both systems. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think we were like the freaky kids. Because it was like, what? You have a Sega Genesis and a Super Nintendo? What is this sorcery? <laughs> but no, I think it was just like I was the youngest of five kids. And all my older siblings worked and could afford to get something else or, or borrow stuff from their friends. So I was definitely luckier than most kids, I feel like. But... uh yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, did you, did did your daughter get anything for Christmas video game related? Oh, yeah, we uh, we got a Nintendo Switch, oh. and we've been playing Mario Kart just about every evening since she got it. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Yeah, my, my brother has Mario Kart, has the racing wheels. Um, I picked up Dragon Quest Builders 2. Nice. Which... If you like Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior, and you want something a little meatier than Minecraft, that's definitely the way to go. So I've, I've been enjoying that one. My six-year-old, again, was getting into it. And I, for some reason, I love voicing dialogue. And she's not super, <laughs> like, her reading skills are pretty rudimentary right now. She's not uh, an amazing reader yet. She's working on it. So I will sit there and I'll be like, okay, watch the words go by and I'll read everything to you. And so I will voice all of the dialogue in the game. And, you know, as long as I've got a glass of water nearby, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's fun. But then, like, after a while, I'm like, hold on here. Let me catch my breath. 
That needs to be a Patreon episode where you just do game <laughs> readings as the character. Yeah, and I just bust out. It was not by my hand. I was once again given flesh. <laughs> humans. By humans. <laughs> I do like the yeah, I do the goofiest voices with her, and she likes it. She's not like, Dad, you need to stop. Oh. And she's really, really forthright and upfront with me about that stuff, so she'd be the first one to be like, <laughs> okay, Dad, you need to cut it out. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Knock it off. So, speaking of knocking things off, let's go ahead and segue into our next segment, or segue, which is Sega Snippets. Now it's time for Sega Snippets. Alright, so Sega Snippets-wise... I would say the coolest thing that happened to me, Sega Snippets-wise, is I went to a Festivus party, which if you've listened to this show long enough, (laughs) I usually mention this is a year-end tradition with my best friends, where I go to my best bud, Jesse's place, we celebrate Festivus, it's kind of an in-joke, and (laughs) we don't have an airing of grievances, but we do do a gift exchange, and... We did watch the Festivus episode of Seinfeld <laughs> this year, and we watched. Uh, we try to watch a terrible movie as a tradition, and so I picked the movie Troll Two. Oh, which nice! Is a classic. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a. It was a hit. Like most people who were over there hadn't seen it, um, and it's it's quite a movie. It's not scary at all. It's just very campy and goofy and fun. And then the Sega-related part of this evening was that we played a card game where the winner would win a Sega Genesis Mini, and fortune must have smiled upon me because I won the (laughs) card game, and wouldn't you know it, the guy who actually co-hosts on a Sega Genesis podcast won the Sega Genesis Mini. But I will tell you, every person playing, even people who don't listen to this podcast we're Shame. all trying to get that sega genesis mini everybody was like oh man i want to play gunstar heroes i want to play earthworm jim i want to play castlevania i want to play sonic uh i was surprised i was like oh i didn't realize all of my friends like hardcore <laughs> grew up on sega so that's pretty awesome but i did win it as a consolation to my friend who didn't win it, I, I ended up giving him a copy of Earthworm Jim. So Ooh. I was like, man, I, I feel bad. Like, I know my kids are going to love this thing, um, and I've had fun with it, but I was just like, because he really wanted to play Earthworm Jim. So I was like, wait, do you have a Sega Genesis hooked up at home? He's like, yeah, I do. I have a Sega Genesis. I'm like, okay. So I came back a couple days later, and I just like, here you go. Here's my copy of Earthworm Jim. <laughs> oh, that was downright nice of you. Well... Down here in the south, we have a... No, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about my butt. But the Sega Genesis Mini, I would love to do a Patreon episode on that um, because it's a fun little system. Sega finally did it right. They got M2 on board to get all the games ported over. They play really well. And this is one of the best selections of games in a collection i've ever seen there's maybe only about four or five duds out of a 40 game collection which is a pretty high 
pretty high average. So, uh, or a pretty good ratio of gem to garbage. I <laughs> and many of these games we have covered on Genesis Gems. We've covered Gunstar Heroes. So we've <clears throat> covered Gunstar, or we've covered Contra Hardcore in a fashion of sorts on an April episode. <laughs> covered some Sonic, covered uh, some stuff. And, and I would like to talk more about that in depth if we do a Patreon app. But I'd say the only thing I wish was included was things like uh, Shining Force 2 or Sonic the Hedgehog 3 or Vector Man 2. But these are like things where it's like, okay, I get it. They're not going to include every sequel to every game that you want. I get it. Yeah. So it's not a huge deal. There are some hidden gems in there where it's like, oh, wow, I don't think I ever remember playing this game. That was like Alyssa Dragoon and throwing in like an arcade conversion of Darius, which was never released on Sega Genesis hmm. was pretty sweet. Uh, so there are some neat games to check out on there. And I say, go for it. If you saw, especially if you see it on sale, you can't go wrong. I think there's people working on hacking it. So we'll see the controllers that came with it are perfect. They're three button. They're not six button like in Japan, but that's okay. Yeah, that's my Sega snippets. What do you go for it, Lana? What do you want to say? Oh, I was going to ask. Now, did they have a six button in America for the for the Genesis Mini? Uh, I think you can just literally order one, and mm-hmm. it'll work fine. But oh, the cool. really cool thing is, is this is a region free system, so you can go into the settings, change it to Japanese, and suddenly all the Japanese versions of the games will pop up. Ooh! And so games like. Dr. Robotics Mean Bean Machine will suddenly become Poyu Poyu, and Decap Attack will be the original game that it was. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it's really neat. And suddenly you can play Contra Hardcores with nine lives instead of three, like it was meant to be played. <laughs> <laughs> Where you actually have a life bar instead of one hit kills, which, okay, Contra one hit kills, I get it, but that game is massive core. Mm. it wants to kill you and eat you for lunch so I don't land in any oh go ahead I was going to say I don't disagree with that one bit <laughs> Yeah. so before I get over your land I, I was going to say the only thing I, I only other thing I got to play that another game I would love to cover Patreon or otherwise is Ultra Core so my buddy Jesse best friend Jesse picked up a physical copy of Ultra Core, which, if you don't remember, is a game that was made by DICE back around 1994. Uh, and it was set to be released in 94 95 by Cygnosis before Cygnosis canceled a slew of games for 16-bit consoles. And it was going to be sort of a spiritual successor to the Turrican series. Uh, people that were heavily inspired by that series but just a really neat art style, some interesting mechanics and controls, and just a fun game. Great music, cool bosses, cool weapons. I got to play it at my buddy's place, and it was very surreal because it's a completely finished game, and it was a lot of fun. Hmm. I can't wait to cover it at some point, um, but yeah, basically the main ways you can pick it up right now i think it's actually available on switch and ps4 xbox one i think pc are the easiest ways to play it it's also on the mega sg 
and as a built-in game, sort of like how there was like a director's cut of Super Turrican on the SNES, uh, the Super NT. Same kind of deal here. This is the built-in game. And there was a very limited physical release of this game, and my buddy snagged one secondhand off of eBay, I believe. And if you're very interested in the game, there are ways you can, you can find a ROM for it. It's not too... <laughs> you know, a bit of searching around. I'm just going to say, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. So, <laughs> with that said, let me go ahead and bring it over to Landon. Ooh. And Landon, any Sega snippets <laughs> for you? Um, just, uh, you know, this time of year, we know we've been playing Sonic 2 and Sonic Mania in our house, you know, getting the little one kind of eased into gaming with those. Uh, and I'll go ahead and tell us this too. Uh, the other night you and I kind of had a game night online and we played probably the coolest mech game ever for the Sega Genesis. (laughs) Yes, we did. We played Battletech. And we yes. play, there's a mode, and I didn't know this, where <laughs> one player controls the legs and where you're going, and the other controls where you're aiming and shooting. Yes. That was a blast. <laughs> I thought that was so cool, because it was like, it, you had to have absolute teamwork, because yeah. Land, Landon would walk around, and it would be like, okay, where are we going to go, Landon? And then he'd be like, okay, we're going to go over here. And then he would be the one trying to dodge, because like every, I would say every couple minutes... An enemy mech would be enemy mech approaching. <laughs> and so it just, this flying mech would come out of nowhere and start trying to blast you to bits. And then I'm trying to like fire all of my crazy, uh, crazy weapons and missiles and ballistics and whatnot just to <laughs> blow them out of the sky. And uh, just like trying to dodge the enemy fire and then like me trying to blow things up in time. It was pretty high octane and pretty it cool. Was. It was. It was like a easier controlling version of the strike games, is what I would say, <laughs> and maybe a little more arcade, arcadey than those mm. games because I don't, I didn't see any civilian civilians or anything that you really had to worry about. Where it's like, oh no, you you blew up some <laughs> national treasure, you blew it. Nope, game we, over. We killed everything that got in our way. <laughs> it, I mean, the game gives you like twenty objectives, but let's be honest. You might have just well, they might have just said, just blow up everything on the stage, kill them all, and we'll be happy. Just kill them all, and <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just say let someone, someone sort them out. Somebody sort those guys out. But that's right. It was it was cool. It it was a lot of teamwork. Like that was that was the unique thing that I liked. I'm like, okay, I'm going to strafe this way, and while he's turned this way, he's going to shoot him, and I'll keep strafing around him, and he'll keep <laughs> shooting at him. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder how many other games actually do that because I, I wonder if there's a <laughs> mode or something in like Steel Battalion on the Xbox. Ooh. It's got to be something like that where it's like, okay. Because I think with a 50 foot tall mechanized robot that it would make a lot more sense unless it was like a Neon Genesis Evangelion situation where you're controlling the mech with your mind and you're 14 years old for some <laughs> reason. It would make a lot more sense to me if it was a two-pilot situation, kind of like in um, Pacific Rim, right? Yeah. That would make total much that more makes... sense to me. That's how a tank is, right? Yeah, One exactly. guy driving it, and there's one guy uh, pointing the, the turret. At least in my mind. There's maybe like three guys in there. <laughs> you know what would be cool is if you could have like a, a multi-tap, and you would have like battles like 
two guys in one mech versus two guys in another mech. <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder. I know there's a what world of tanks. Yeah, I wonder if they have things like that in that game. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Now I know absolutely nothing about World of Tanks other than it is a tank MMO. So it's literally <laughs> a massively multiplayer online game about tanks. <laughs> and that is how I know we've come to the end of another <laughs> segment of Sega Snippets because Aaron has gone off on another tangent. That's uh, okay. And I'm talking in third person. So, sorry folks. We're going to go ahead and get into the main discussion about this game but before we do don't forget that you can find us on itunes stitcher anchor fm and also patreon.com slash where you can find all sorts of great content you can leave us feedback at genesisgemspodcast at gmail.com and also on our group page where you can come and check out our amazing community of people that is the shared Genesis Gems and Two Dudes and a Nest group. And that's over at Facebook.com slash, I wrote it down here, <laughs> slash BitBrothers. So it's Facebook.com slash groups slash BitBrothers. And you'll find us there. And we could always use your support. Come, come join our group. Come hang out. We've got an active community of like-minded nerds like us <laughs> and yourselves. So... We would love to have you bring that energy to our group. Now, we were also on iTunes, and I want to say we could always use more of your reviews because the more reviews we get, the more, I would say, the more notice we get, and we would love it. So thank you, everybody who's been supporting us, and especially during this time where during the holidays, it's been super busy for all of us, and... Just want to thank you again. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the game proper, which is Arcus Odyssey. But before we do, game on, Landon. Game on, Aaron. Game on! Yeah, game on! Sega! All right, sweet. So let's go ahead and jump into the talk about Arcus Odyssey. I'm going to pull up my notes like I was mentally prepared for (laughs) everything that's about to happen here. Without Nick, this show (laughs) runs slightly differently. I say slightly. (laughs) Just slightly. I still go to Moby Games like our good friend Nick. But what I like to do, just like Nick, is before we talk about general info about the game... Landon, do you have any memories of playing Arcus Odyssey on the Sega Genesis? I have none. I may have seen it just in passing in like a Game Pro or one of the review magazines just kind of doing a brief piece on it, but I didn't really have a whole lot of interaction with it when I was younger. Yeah, I I find it really interesting that I don't think I even knew the game existed until about 1997 or 98, which maybe put me at about 11. But I, I was like a Sega kid, or I had a Sega Genesis like right when it came out, uh, or maybe right after. And I definitely don't remember this game when it was released in about 1991. But what I also remember too is like this was right before the Sega CD came out, and so it was mm-hmm. kind of a weird time in my memory where I conflate a lot of that 
to like I remember the Sonic the Hedgehog, the Streets of Rage, that sort of stuff. But then like the Sega CD came out right around then too, and so I was all over that. And I remember Wolf Team games on there because I remember stuff like Time Gal, and I remember uh, Soul Feast. I remember Cobra Command. Um, so like Wolf Team was handling ports of these games and a few other games like the Ernest Evans, um, things like that. But I don't, for the life of me, like I was into RPGs even from an early age and action adventure games and Gauntlet. But this one, it was sort of weird. Like, uh, you know, I'd see the, the renovation label sometimes, but it was it was not like a company that was super well known, like a Capcom yeah or a konami they were sort of a lower tier publishing house that would publish whoop team whoop team games but it wasn't a sign that they were bad games it was just not one of those like oh they're gonna port smash hit arcade games all the time they were porting sometimes interesting computer games sometimes you know original sega genesis games that were, were pretty unique for the time. This is this yeah. game is no no exception. So uh, if I talk about my memories of the game, <laughs> so here's a little factoid. I might have honestly, I think I mentioned it on this actual show uh, years ago, but I used to hang out on a website called GenesisCollective.com, which was a place to go talk about Phil Collins and the rest. Of- <laughs> rest of the gang um and susa studio and no i'm just kidding no it was yeah no it was actually a pre-wikipedia site (laughs) where you know people got together and collected as much information on sega genesis games as they could now you have stuff like uh sega retro sega 16 where they've done quite the same thing much more of a wiki friendly format but back then it was the early 2000s and this particular person who was running the site was asking for all sorts of people to come to his site um, and he was like advertising on another forum come to his site and help review games that they remembered playing so i think i reviewed about 30 games on the site and as a reward he sent me a copy of arnold palmer <laughs> yeah and also Arcus Odyssey. Guess which game I played more of? Oh, I'm gonna have to go with Old Arnie on that one. Oh yeah, it's the one that has the hidden fancy fancy zone games. <laughs> Woo! When I <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I I dived into Arcus Odyssey, and it was just the coolest thing. Just like getting this random Sega game in the mail I'd never played, and was excited. For it, to be honest, there was no manual with it. I pop it in. It's got some, you know, dark fantasy vibes to it, and some like really neat little anime intro. Yeah, and some ominous music, and then the game starts, and it's pretty interesting. It lets you like good old Ninja Turtles or Dash <laughs> or any any number of these games where it lets you pick from or, or Gauntlet, of course. You've got classes of fighters to pick from. And so you can be sort of a fighter. You could be like a, a mage, uh, kind of a support bow and arrow character, or this one with this weird boomerang-like thing. 
and I honestly I don't think I got too far into the game because I really didn't understand the mechanics of it so I died pretty hardcore and mm. maybe I bounced off it a little too soon but I did enjoy it I never got to play it two player at the time and I think at some point I just sold it to a friend of mine when I was selling all my Sega games so that's about my history with the game uh, but I did think it was interesting at the time so that being said, let's go ahead and talk about info about this game. So, I'm going to jump over to our favorite site. If we were two dudes <laughs> in a nest, it might be Wikipedia, but instead we're going over to Moby Games. I mean... <laughs> a little uh, bit more no, class I, there. Yeah, a little, little more class. I'm no, just kidding. We <laughs> love the, the two dudes in a nest and their Wikipedia ways. Uh <laughs> Their Wikipedia ways, I like That's that. That's right. <laughs> okay, so Arcus Odyssey, it was published by Renovation Products, who, if I'm counting this correctly, uh, actually published over 20 games from 1990 to 1994 between the Sega Genesis and Sega CD platforms. So... If I was reading this right, in 1993, Sega acquired this label uh, from Telenet. They were a subsidy of Telenet Japan. And they published a lot of Wolf Team games. Mm -hmm. And Wolf Team has a really interesting history, too. I mean, they've uh, been making games since 1986. And... Some of their earliest games were actually in the Arcus series. There are actually three Arcus games. Arcus Odyssey turns out to be a spin-off, an action role-playing spin-off uh, of the Arcus series, which were Japanese-only games for the Japanese computer systems at the time, like the PC-98 and the X68000, which would later, after this game release, see a re-release as a trilogy pack on the Mega CD in Japan. So if you had a Mega CD, then you could continue your Arcus fun <laughs> on that system. And I watched the video, it was pretty neat. But yeah, so Whoop Team is also known for things like, well, a launch title for Sega CD, Soul Feast, which is a pretty neat little shooter. Albiento, uh, I would say some more obscure, but pretty decent Sega Genesis games. You also had things like Final Zone, Love that which one. I th that one's a pretty solid game. Ernest Evans, which I think is rated. <laughs> I wouldn't call it underrated or overrated. I would call it rated exactly where it needs to be rated, which is uh, midi me mediocre <laughs> oh, to make me slightly above average. It had some good ideas, but poor execution. Um, it was. It kind of wanted to be Castlevania, but the, the sprites in that game are really <laughs> wacky. And then... You had stuff, like I said, like Time Gal and Road Blaster, um, which I love. And then you had the El Viento Annette Futabi games and later Revenge of the Ninja, which I think was maybe my personal favorite of those Dragon's Lair style games. And then they would go on to work on the Tales of Fantasia games and went over to found Triace, including mm. the composer of this game, Matoi Sakuraba, Shinji Tamura, 
and Eliza Kikuchi. Um, yeah. And, and Wolf Team, it's kind of interesting. Okay, so I read that wrong. So these folks stayed on with Wolf Team, but Wolf Team would sort of work with Namco to work on Tails games anyways. So eventually Wolf Team got dissolved, were absorbed into Namco, and that's where they are now. So more about this game instead of just the developer there. I think that was pretty cool, though. Yeah. Uh, so the game came out in 91. It was also released for the X68000 in Japan, which was an awesome computer machine that could play like arcade perfect ports of CPS2 games like Street Fighter 2, but also was known for a lot of really interesting and cool uh, platformers and RPGs and really interesting 2D games because it was a 2D powerhouse that had the same 68,000 engine in it. So anyways, this game was also released for the Super Famicom as Arcus Spirits, and then a prototype surfaced at some point because it was planned for release on the Super Nintendo and never came out. Oh. Yeah. So if we were going to talk about the type of game this is, this is a fantasy action RPG in an isometric perspective, meaning it's like a three-quarter perspective where your character is moving diagonally but the good thing about the controls in this game is that your character can move up left down right and also diagonally in any direction they want it's not the most smooth moving game but it's still pretty solid gets the job done yeah it gets the job done it's an early sega genesis game um but it's pretty solid in the control department we'll talk more about that in a little bit uh, about some of the particulars of the controls. So, let's talk about the average price of this game, because I'm mm. pretty sure it's gone up a little bit. Um, I wanted to look that up real quick. So, if we go <laughs> to price charting, let's see what Ar Ar Arcus Odyssey goes for. Loose price, 3561 Complete, 9377 New wow. 102. Yeah, so this is sort of a pricey Sega Genesis game. There aren't, honestly, there aren't too many super pricey Sega games, but to have to get this loose for $35, whew. Mm. That's pretty crazy. So, let's see here. If I want to pull up the manual here, which I will do. If I pull up the manual, I see, here we go, the story of the Arcus Odyssey. The story of the Arcus Odyssey is a story of the eternal struggle of light over darkness. It is a story of a princess called Laity, whose sword of light brought goodness to the hearts of men. Love it when a sword brings goodness. I know. That's great. Instead of just, like, chopping dudes in half. It brings uh, goodness and love. It's a sword of peace. I bring you love. <laughs> I just watched that one off, the other day. Kill it. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, such a good episode. Yes, it's a, so it says it is a story of a dark sorceress, Kustelmira, whose lust for power would stop at nothing to reign darkness in the hearts of men. But Ooh. most of all, it is a story of four brave Arcusians. Oh, interesting. That's a great word. Who vowed their lives 
to light on the night of the thousandth full moon. Now, okay, I have a question, Landon. Okay. How do we determine what the thousandth full moon is? What was the first full moon? I don't know. Like, do they do they have it kind of wrote down in a calendar somewhere, or there, are they sitting there with their advent calendar, just counting down the days? Yeah. Is there an elf on the shelf system? What's the- <laughs> do they just look up and say, "Yeah, that looks about like the thousands. So let's let's just go ahead and go from there." Yeah, uh, close enough. Good thousand. Well, that's <laughs> a good time to start. Hey, what are we on? We're on a uh, about nine hundred ninety-six. Got a few more to go. We'll make it. So, the legend of Laity. Legend has it that a thousand years before this night, the sorceress Castomira had reared her ugly head against the goodness of light with a force so terrible that mountains were leveled, lakes Mm. became deserts, and a valley became a pinnacle. Wait, what's a pinnacle? I guess that's like the... Uh, Like a mountain? I I don't know. Uh, I have to look that up. Man. On that night, a princess (laughs) called Laity... Preparing herself for Customer's attack, she's quite attractive, by the way. Oh yes, in this image here, uh, clung with all her might to a sword given her at birth by her great grandmother, the King of Light. And when the night had passed, Princess Laity, still, dot dot dot. Next page. <laughs> gripping the sword, had defeated Castlemira, and so Laity's sword of light became a symbol of goodness and hope for all the people of Arkansas. So that's what happened. But according to the legend, Laity was so weakened from passing her strength through the sword that on the next night of the full moon, she passed from the world, leaving only her glowing sword as a reminder that goodness, even in death, had been victorious. Aww. Aww. This goes on for a bit. I'll try to get through this as fast as I can, because wow, this has a lot more story than the game would leave you to believe. <laughs> I, I will admit, though, that when you're playing the game, it will, like break up the gameplay a little bit with some story blurbs. Yeah. Which isn't too bad. There's some ongoing story as you... It, it's still very arcade action arcade and very linear, but I like the, that there's some story beats that break everything up. The legacy of Castamira. There are men, if you can call them that, who remain <laughs> untouched by the light. These silly people. Maybe they call them muggles. I don't know what they call them. Muggles. Nowadays. Yeah, muggles. I like that. And who live for one thing, to restore the powerful dark sorceress and a sister in reigning the world with darkness. They are the Dark Lords. They have kept in their D&D closets. (laughs) (laughs) They have kept in hiding in a ruined temple at the top of a steep precipice. And these big mountain words, which was raised up by Castamira in her last fabled battle. Mm. They have practiced the dark arts. Oh man, this is total Voldemort stuff. <laughs> and have built... They're, they're yeah, they're, they're totally like uh, Death Eaters. They built a fortress and a shrine for their dark sorceress. The dark lords believe that after 1,000 years and 1,000 full moons, Castamira's power will be fully restored and strengthened as she will defeat light and goodness and assume absolute power forever. Oh. Ooh. So the hope of the sword. Ooh, here we go. Only the sword of Laity, which is like, must be some super duper important sword because we've spent like 10 paragraphs on it now. Seems like an important MacGuffin. It's a super important MacGuffin. (laughs) I almost wonder if you pick it up during the game. Only Mm. the sword of Laity, 
which, like Lady herself, dimmed on the night of the full moon, can keep back the dark sorceress, and only if wielded by one who possesses the goodness of the princess herself. Ooh. Here is the call to action. If you're in the corporate world, you know what a call to action is. Is there a person <laughs> in Arcus with enough goodness to use the light of the sword on this night? The answer doesn't seem to matter now. Castamira's followers have already snatched the sword of Lady from its sacred chamber. The MacGuffin has been moved to the <laughs> secret dork lair. <laughs> from its sacred chamber in the castle of the King of Arcus. <laughs> Darkness has already begun to enter the hearts of men. Oh, okay. So here we go. Oh, here we go. We're finally... Oh, we're finally getting to the final part of the story. Man, they really wanted to sell people on this. And I mm. commend them. Because they're, they're really selling at heart. Castamira's followers have brought Lady's Sword of Light to the place known as the cave where the demigod cried. Ooh. That's some cave. Where Castamira, on her floating shrine, awaits the thousandth full moon. The four brave warriors. They could be from Final Fantasy. They could be from Gauntlet. But no. <laughs> they are from Arcus Odyssey. These nondescript <laughs> heroes of yore. The four brave Arcusians, of whom we speak, are two men and two women. Because... Gender equality is great, y'all. That's right. Equal equal rights for everyone. That's right. They are Jeddah, the remarkably skilled swordsman. Aaron, who is remarkably not named A-A-R-O-N, said <laughs> E-R-I-N, the stunningly fierce warrior maiden. Dana, or no wait, Diana, the cunningly shrewd archeress. And Bede, the mysteriously talented magic stick fighter. Ooh. Ooh. His name is Bede. I kind of wonder Bede. if he's like a, a muscle wizard. Probably got some muscles on him. <laughs> Probably like a, I need like a beefy uh, muscle wizard voice, Landon. Do you think you can muster up something? <laughs> Let's see what I can do. Oh, yeah. Let me cast Fireball 3 on you. Oh! Ah! Oh. <laughs> oh, get casting. Get... <laughs> Get to the college, hurry! You have to hurry. The, the dogs are, are getting away with the sword, the sword of Arcus. <laughs> I can just hear the Dark Lords. We rolled a 20! <laughs> I hope your armor class is high enough. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't wear leather. You can't do that. Oh boy. <laughs> You can't carry a staff like that. Muscle wizards can't use staves. That's not fair. <laughs> okay, so what's the, the game tells us one more important paragraph of info. What you must do, you must assume the role of one of these four brave warriors and try to defeat Casimira before it's too late. First, you must find your way into the seven-layered labyrinth. Ooh, seven-layered dip. I'm so excited. Mm. Seven-layered labyrinth full of elaborate traps and solve its puzzle. Use your knowledge, judgment, Capcom thumb, fighting skills, <laughs> and most of all, your courage. <laughs> Capcom thumb. Yeah, I just... Yeah, it's in the manual. Like I'm reading it right there. Yeah, yeah. Capcom thumb. Well, it says you, it in the manual. It has to be you, true. You're going to get Capcom thumb playing this game. Trust me. Okay. 
okay, so yeah. After that, it's pretty much let's move right onto the controls of the game. How do you play this game? Well, it's a three-button game. Six-button controllers were not mm-hmm. invented yet. And it's a two-player co-op game, which is up to you if you want to do co-op or not. I highly recommend playing this co-op if you can. Yes, definitely. It makes the game much more enjoyable. And I would even say maybe a little easier, especially when you need to use someone as a human shield. Yes. So the most important <laughs> of the yeah, most important of the ga- button of the game is the C button. It's your attack button. It's also your button for raising your shield if you hold the C button down. And it can partially recover from attack. It's not constant. Uh, enemies come at you very fast in this game, fast and furious, uh, from all sorts of different directions. So you definitely want to be holding up that shield when you can but it will deplete and you have to like let it charge up again I believe. The B button is used for uh, if you have a magic item or item in your selection menu which I'll talk about um, that's how you would use that item. So the A button actually brings up your inventory. Throughout the game you're going to pick up cool treasures and treasure chests. The only problem in this game is that they don't tell you what the items do so you sort of have to figure it out or have a copy of the manual handy or look at something that tells you exactly what they do. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory that refill your health. There's one that's a doll that actually acts <laughs> as your lives. It's your life system at the end of, I mean, at the beginning of most levels, I believe. You will find a doll. If you're playing two player, it's two dolls and that will grant you an extra life, which you will 100% need if you're playing this game. Landon and I only yes. got to level 5 or so, which was quite a feat in itself. But this game will murder kill you pretty quickly. So, start button. Starts the game, pauses the game, resumes the game. There's something interesting, though, that both players can pull up the pause menu. And both players can also unpause the game. Even if the other person paused it with their A button or, you know hold up the inventory menu so you have to be very careful with that mm-hmm. so if someone if you're playing two player i recommend you having a buddy system and just be like okay i'm gonna go into the inventory now <laughs> that way they don't <laughs> because your buddy might still be firing a million shots because you're throwing projectiles gauntlet style mm-hmm. uh and yeah the problem is you bring up that menu and your buddy's still firing he's like oh crap i'm in the menu now and so he might accidentally <laughs> hit something or get you out of the menu without meaning to. So, controls are pretty pretty self-explanatory. Uh, there is a password system that's pretty neat, much better than Zombies Ate My Neighbors, uh, in that the different passwords you get, I think, to keep track of, not maybe not all of your items, but I think at least keep track of some of them and some of your stat progression. Which the stats, there's not really too many stats. It's basically like you get power-ups throughout the game. And you can get more life also. And that's pretty it. Um, There is a score. I can't recall if you can get extra lives from the score. But there's also like a hit points. There's, uh, of course, there's magic. And... You can, as you're going through the game, you will pick up certain allies. We noticed that when we were on the the dungeon level. Yeah. And we, there was water everywhere. Uh, We went to a jail. We picked up some companions. And the game 
totally found a way to screw us out of our companions and kill them off. Uh, just as they were becoming useful. And and who was our favorite? Who was our favorite character? My favorite um, was like his name rhymed with Bodega. It was it like Cadega. Cadega, yeah. yeah. And I was making fun of him because we were playing. I was like, oh, it's Cadega, the Bodega owner. It's great. Cadega <laughs> owns a Bodega. Like that's how I remembered his name. And yeah, they're they're pretty useful as human shields, and they they fire stuff for you. So I just like you know. Let's run to the end of the level, and and the, the levels are, they're labyrinths, not gonna lie. Oh yeah. They are labyrinths, and I don't believe there are maps, so there are plenty of dead ends and traps. Not really too many traps in this game, in this game, but you sort of run from one end of the stage to the other, you try to look for treasure chests. Enemies do respawn in this, unlike Gauntlet. Gauntlet was built off the ability to, like, destroy portals where enemies would spawn, and this game... Enemies spawn out of nowhere from the gates of hell. And they, and they keep just keep spawning. coming. It's like Nightmare Mode on Doom. You kill them and they keep on coming back. <laughs> it's just what happens. It uh, is. Landon, what was your experience playing this game by yourself versus playing it with me? Oh, gosh. <sighs> by yourself and with someone else are like, it's a totally different game. Like, by yourself, yeah, you go through and you hit the button. But then, you know, you come around one of those corners where there's like five or six, you know, enemies throwing projectiles at you stacked up. And, I mean, you can't really fight back. I mean, really all you can do is throw your little shield up and try to run away. But if you run away, then they respawn. So it's kind of like a catch-22. You're danged if you do, danged if you don't. So with someone, though... Like we talked about, you can do yeah. the, the shield method where yes. one person is the shield and one person gets behind him and just starts spamming the attack button. Now, who did we play as? I played as the, uh, I think, Aaron the, which is great because it's my name, <laughs> uh, Aaron the boomerang-wielding Valkyrie-type character. Yeah, I think I called, a, I had yeah. her nickname Pinky Belmont at one point because I'm like, yeah. she kind of looks like a Belmont because she's got a whip thing, but... Yeah, and, and who were you? Tell me more about your character. I was Diana the the elf, the the lady elf with the bow and arrow, which ricochets off of walls and keeps going, which is one of the coolest things ever because you can be at a 90 degree angle and bank your shot to hit somebody. Yes, I love that about the bow and arrow in this game. There are some things where this game doesn't quite live up to Gauntlet, but... Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think that's one of them where they they sort of took that ability to bounce shots off, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. It came in handy, especially early on. And then we had one level where it seemed like suddenly we had less enemies that were shooting projectiles at us and more enemies yeah. that were just flying around the screen. And so suddenly my boomerang swinging an arc around me maneuver was a lot more helpful than it was when you were kind of taking the primary lead. Yeah, like, it's kind of like, and we talked about this, that, like, certain levels were designed for certain characters to kind of have an advantage. Yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, It's been a long time since I've actually played as the Warrior or the Wizard. I fully admit that I don't remember (laughs) how these (laughs) characters play. But that's the beauty of this game. If you fire it up, 
there is variety in the characters and how their weapons handle and as you get upgrades they show little differences too there are two upgrades in this game there is the power jewel which is an hp upgrading uh, item that upgrades your attack level that you'll find and also a magic power crystal that upgrades your magic magic is usually a temporary use projectile of some sort that could be kind of an attack on everything or a shield or it could uh, be a projectile you fire in, in uh, a forward direction or in some sort of arc. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the gameplay a bit. Um, we can delve deeper into it and maybe talk a little bit. I would say uh, what was something I wanted to say about this game? Yeah, so there are eight stages in this game where you start out like outside of a mountain, you go to a cave, there's a Act 3 is called The Bad Dream. I can't remember why. I think it's like you go to like sort of a tower and you collect all these swords. Yeah. Yeah. You collect a bunch of swords and then you put them in these hilts and you get transported to different rooms. And how would you describe the bosses in this room? I I would say this game, it's interesting because there are moments where the game moves very fast and fluid. And then Mm -hmm. it's not horrible, but there are also moments where you get enough characters and projectiles on screen and it starts to look like a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, that that third boss in the Pink Pyramid of Death, he yeah. just like keeps spawning zombies to come after you and luckily we found a glitch where you just kind of stand on a kind of a coffin on a corner <laughs> and you can shoot and the zombies can't get you and the boss can't get you. But, yeah. I mean, if, if it hadn't been for that, that would have been probably the fight that did us in because, I mean, they just, they keep coming and eventually with all the projectiles and all the characters and the boss on the screen, there's a lot of slowdown. Yes, there there is. It's not gameplay-breaking it's not debilitating. You just notice it. Um, yeah. And and like some games with slowdown, it's more like, ah, it gives me a little bit of time to think. It's not the most terrible thing. But you do notice the inconsistency in, in speed because there's like one boss where you fight him and then you get on his back and you're floating down a river, which is like a cool set piece. But then the game like wildly changes speed. <laughs> yeah. But I like the bosses overall. I like that each one has some dialogue for you and uh, gives them a little more character motivation than the typical, oh, we just hit a boss room and now we got to kill the boss for no reason. (laughs) So there's a little more motivation in this game and an ongoing story about Laity's whatever, uh, Laity's power (laughs) and Laity's sword. Um, So we talked about the gameplay a bit. The levels, I would say, are fairly unique and enemies vary. I like the variety in this game. I feel like they did a great job. Some of the backgrounds, it can look a little plain, but there's enough detail in this game that everything stands out pretty well and probably Mm -hmm. better than a lot of early Sega games released around that time. I think, honestly, the graphics probably look better than a lot of Sega games uh, then. They do, and that, uh, you know, going back to the kind of the backgrounds, the second level is a prime example of that because it's kind of on a... I guess it's kind of in a, I would call it a water level. You're kind of on a dock above a water, but the water, you can see that it has waves and movement and that it's not just like stagnant, just kind of still water that is made to look, you know, 
has a, I guess, like a layer of color to make it look like it's moving. It's actually, you know, kind of scrolling up and down slowly to make it look like waves, which I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought there were some neat little effects in this game, and that made me want to go into effects, by the way. Sound effects. Yeah. I thought the sound effects were pretty solid. Definitely better than, like, yeah. a, a typical game of this sort. Uh, everything's pretty well done, has a solid, not farty sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the music is extremely well done for the time. Not mm-hmm. everything is super memorable, but the tracks are really pumping uh, early 90s uh, JRPG anime, you know, like typical yeah. of the time, but well above average for what you were hearing on the Sega Genesis and showing off more of the capabilities of the system than a lot of other games at the time. Besides, the only other company really that was doing that well was... There, there were a few others that could pump it out at that time, but Sega was the main one who could get the most out of the system around 1991. Mm-hmm. So, let me talk about the composer here. Oh, boy. Yeah. He is one notable composer. This is Matoy Sakuraba. Let me tell you some of the series that he's known for composing for. And this is besides anime and television and progressive rock stuff. Um, yeah, so his history goes all the way back to like 80s, I want to say 86, um, and maybe, no, maybe 89, but he was kind of with, uh, Wolf Team for a long time, and then he did stuff for Camelot, like doing, uh, Tri-Ace, he did music for the Tell series, he did stuff like Mario Golf, he did stuff for the Star Ocean series, uh, the Tales games, Dark Souls, Golden Ooh. Sun. He's a heavy hitter. Shining Force 3. If you look at his credits, I mean, this is like a who's who of quality stuff. He uh, And of course, there were a million composers on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and he was one of them. Uh, he did music with Yuzo Koshiro and others on the Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom soundtrack. Just such a storied career. He's been actively making music for video games for over 30 years now. It's, wow. It, that's an incredible legacy. And I'm looking at like all the Tales games he's made soundtracks for, and it's crazy. And Mario Golf games, Shining the Holy Ark, I remember playing that one. Beyond the Beyond. Um... He has so many credits to his name. It's insane. Wow. And he he's a great composer. He is, He's made some very memorable music. And I enjoy his stuff. It's stuff that I can listen to outside of the game. Honestly, the first memory of listening to his music was the incredible soundtrack in Soul Feast. The launch shoot-em-up title on the Sega CD. Or Soul Deece. Think on <laughs> On the console itself, on the Sega Genesis, I have yeah. a copy of Soul Feast on the C- Sega CD. It's not a, like honestly, <laughs> it's really good. The music is even better than the game. It really uh, is. Yeah, it really. <laughs> that first is. level is that first oh, level will get you pumped up. It gets you super pumped up. I can still remember it in my head. I'm not going to try and hum it right now. <laughs> Genesis Gemmers, but that's just how it goes. 
So, we have talked about the gameplay, we've talked about the sound effects, the music. I think it's well above average. And just about anything coming out around the time outside of a few games. Why don't we, before we jump into hmm, whether it's a gem or not, let's ask about retrofitted achievements. I think we've talked about the gameplay as much as we need to here. The Genesis Gems Retrofitted Achievements. But let's talk about retrofitted achievements. Landon, do you have anything for me? I do. I have one, and it is with the elf archer Diana. It is called Bank Shot. Kill an enemy by banking an arrow off of a wall. Ah, yes. I love it. Okay, so my first one is, you play with dolls? That's, uh, <laughs> that's using a doll, which I think the, it's kind of like the mechanic in Zelda 3 where you catch a fairy, you keep it in a jar, and it refills mm-hmm. your life if you die. Same mechanic here, except you have a doll in your inventory, and the game will automatically restore your life if you die uh, as you collect these dolls. <laughs> so, yes, that's my first achievement, uh, is die and then be re- resurrected uh, with a doll. <laughs> with your doll. My second one is I have the power. Get one of the power gems to increase your health or your attack. <laughs> My second one is okay, boomerang, and that's uh, <laughs> and that is uh, using Aaron, the wonderful boomerang slinging Valkyrie <laughs> fighter, whatever warrior s person, and wiping out a bunch of enemies all in one shot which i did when we were playing that one time we came up to mm-hmm. him and i just fired it out so i would say <laughs> knock out five or more enemies in one blow using the nice bang. so that's that's okay boomer rank i like it i like it <laughs> <laughs> i've got one last one yeah <laughs> and it is free the bodega owner yes <laughs> free cadega the bodega owner yes. from the prison Love it. Because who else is going to sell you discount gum? That's right. <laughs> Slightly bruised oranges. That's right. And uh, <laughs> eggs that should have been sold weeks ago. <laughs> he's just a horrible shop owner. He really is. <laughs> but he's a good human shield, so we keep him around. He is till those jerks take him away. I know, the next level, it's kind of like a Devil Dragon game where it's like, oh, I wanted to keep that, don't take that away from me. (laughs) Four is always better than two, come on. That's right. (laughs) Yes. So, let's go ahead and move on to, is it a gem? Is it garbage? Let's find out. So let's go to... Is this game a Genesis gem? Is it good? Or is it garbage? Ooh, boy, there's not a ton of info about this game, but surprisingly, uh, well, there's more reviews than I thought. So let's look for, like, reviews on Moby Games from publications of the time. I think there might be four. The highest rated one was from Sega Pro in the UK with a 92 out of 100. We had 
playtime. Some of these I don't recognize. With an 81 out of 100, you had... What's funny is I think upon more recent reflection, I think gaming publications have actually revisited this game and given it better reviews. That's what it and, looks like. And they like it more. Sega 16 in 2005 gave it a 7 out of 10. One Up in 2007 gave it an 87 out of 100. I'm guessing that's maybe it was on like the Wii service. Uh, EGM gave it a 27 out of 40 which it would be equate to about a 68. So they thought it was eh, a little above, above average. GamePro gave it a 60 in 1994 for some reason. I don't know why hmm. that would be 1994 unless they were reviewing the unreleased SNES one. I don't know. But, unless that's just wrong. But I will say that it bodes fairly well for this game. The average yeah. critic score is about a 76, and if you weight it with the modern scores, I think that puts it uh, above average. So let's go and see if we had any feedback. I'm going to have to dig for it real quick. That's I, cool. I didn't have it pulled right up. Hopefully, I can pull it right up here and find our listener f- feedback. I'm just going to it right now here we go we've got nine comments from our awesome people on facebook.com slash group slash bit brothers so let's see here andrew zeismer our good buddy from the power up uh show there definitely a gem this game was such a fun dungeon crawler with light rpg elements surprisingly the soundtrack was better here than its snes counterpart part which wasn't released in the states the story was strange but was pretty well told it's one i've sunk countless hours into with all four playable characters i loved it so next up we have another andrew andrew cohen i only found out this game existed a couple weeks ago i've never <laughs> played it, but I'm hoping to hear gems since it looks right up my alley. Stay positive and love your life. Aw, thanks, Andrew. Timmy Mac said, I never tried this. Looking forward to hearing about it. It sounds like I'd love it. Uh, Good Buddy Blake says, it's good, but I wouldn't consider it among the top 20 games as a gem. It, It took some time to get used to it, but it's a really unique game. Use the characters with the mace. Yes. I think Mm. that's the character I keep talking about, Aaron. I think it is. Yeah. So, Michael Kelso said, Wow, they'll just stick the Sega seal of quality on anything, huh? Hold on. Well, let me get the Michael voice. Hey, Justin. They'll just stick the Sega seal of quality on anything, won't they? (laughs) I thought that was really him there for a minute. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay, so Justin says, (laughs) Hey, man. Why is Christopher Lee holding the crystal ball with Saturn inside it? (laughs) <laughs> that was like the worst Justin impression but I did my best uh, Nick said uh, Justin uh, he wanted to make sure Saturn ascended get it oh god oh man <laughs> <laughs> oh man and Justin like replied with a because I think, I think it was like some sort of tool reference so he posted a tool gift <laughs> So, we didn't have too much listener feedback. Like I said, it was a pretty obscure game. But thank you, everyone, for chiming in. I will go ahead and transition over to our own thoughts. And 
I wanted to go ahead and get my thoughts and then let Lynn okay. give the final thought and then we'll oh. come to whether we think it's a gem or garbage. So, if I was going to talk about the pros and cons of this game, I think it's got great music, sound effects are solid. I like the fact that it's a two-player co-op dungeon crawler. Uh, some things are a little janky. I don't like respawning enemies. I think the story can get a little muddied, but it's overall solid. There's not enough of these types of games in the system. I mean, Gauntlet might be the only other one I can think of offhand. Uh, there, there's, there are few and far between on the system, so it's a welcome addition. I think you'd even mention that the only other game like this you can really think of besides Gauntlet, there's also like the Dungeon Explorer games. Yeah, it's kind of like a Turbo Graphics game in a way. Yeah, I, I can see that. I would also say other pros. I like the unique strategies you can de- develop as you use different weapons. I didn't get much use out of the the purity item or like a healing poison, but maybe I didn't get far enough to where you actually needed it. I feel like you could have had a little more inventory space too, but these are like little nitpicks. Yeah. Um, I think overall it's base. It would probably be in the lower tier of our gems, but I still think it's a gem. It's a hidden gem. Uh oh, it's a hidden gem. Ooh. Oh boy, Metal you said the magic word. Come after me, and now the game's gonna get hiked up two hundred bucks. You get this? No. <laughs> Okay, so that's my opinion. It's It hovers somewhere in between good and gem, but I think it's just above average enough for it to get the low-tier gem status. And now, I want to know what Mr. Landon Ooh. Long thinks himself. Ooh, I mean, I can, I can see both sides of it being a gem and it not being a gem. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm like you, I think that you get more out of it if you play it as a two-player co-op game. I tried playing it as a single-player game, and I mean, it's fun, but there there comes some times where you're like, man, I really wish I need, I had someone here to kind of help, you know, take care of all these monsters because they're just respawning off the screen and, yeah. you know, coming after me. And that was another big gripe of mine was monster respawn is horrible. And they're placed just so where... It, it take I mean, it takes a little bit of skill to kill them, but sometimes, I mean, they're they're stacked like five long and like three wide. I know in some of the places, like in that second dungeon, the little things that throw the the projectiles are kind of stacked up like that, and they just pelt you with them. Yeah. The uh, but the co-op aspect of it is great. You know, you can develop strategies. The the shield and shoot method that we've we've developed that we're patenting. You know, we that's one of the things that came out of this um level design is i mean it's a dungeon crawler so i mean as long as it's you know got a decent maze it's okay the story is a little yeah you can get you can get bogged down into it i agree so maybe uh, i think you're swaying me more towards good if i'm honest like I said, gem. But now the more the more points you raise about it, there are things yeah. that could make it a gem. But there are also things that hold it back a little bit that I wasn't yeah. quite thinking about, like those, especially those respawning enemies, things that you wouldn't find in a gauntlet. Like gauntlet was, let's yeah. be honest, gauntlet was released in 1985. Uh, this game was released in 1991. Uh, there's like a six year, five year difference. 
where a lot of things, a lot of gameplay loops and mechanics had yeah. been improved. And they did try to improve certain things like having an inventory. But there are other things where it feels like slightly a step back even from Gauntlet. Like having the respawning. I think enemies should stay dead Yeah. when you kill them. Or at least have some sort of generator you can destroy. Something of that sort. And you know, the respawning enemies plays into the, the little fetch quests that you have to do to get through the levels too. Like, you know, we did the dungeon level a million times because yeah. you had to go talk to the prisoners, then get the prisoner key, let the prisoners out, then go find the level key to unlock the level. If you don't do it in order, things don't spawn yeah. right. It's like and, and you get, breaking without realizing it. You get caught in like an endless respawn cycle of enemies that, you know, can make that can kind of break your spirit if you're not ready for it. Your Arcus spirit? Your Arca, your, your Arcus spirit. <laughs> so, with all that being said, I'm going to have to say that it's good. It could be a gem. I mean, it's just yeah. right there on the border. It's right there on the precipice. If, if it had just <laughs> done a few more of the little things better, I think it would be a gem. Especially the co-op. Yeah, honestly, also, I think if this game made of, might have come out later in the Genesis life, they could have even done yeah. more player co-op. One thing I forgot to mention was, because of the bird, bird's eye view of this game, it would have helped to bring out the perspective a little more, because sometimes it feels like the game's a little too crowded, mm -hmm. where you would like to see more of the map that you're exploring, because it seems like yeah. you, you get a little claustrophobic sometimes heading down a blind path and then a bunch of enemies appear out of nowhere and you're kind of trapped and then there's there, there are some cheap enemies in this game very <laughs> very especially very when we got to the fire level and i was like hey these guys are jumping over walls to kill us there's something up here like we're just like trying to survive and you guys exactly are throwing everything you can at us those little bugs that would like jump over the wall and they were just a couple of pixels big where if you weren't paying attention, I mean, they would get you every time. I know. But, so, where does this game stand then? Because we've got two goods. I did change my vote. I swung over to yep. and inside. If we look at the listeners, they said it was a gem. I think a majority of the ones that actually played it said gem, which I think mm -hmm. was two to one. So, we'll say gem and then two goods would make it a good but i think i'll just have to tell nick what ranking we want to do uh landed you want to take a look at the, the ranking with me real quick sure i'm going to send you a link to the ranking sheet and we'll pop on over to that right now and i'll tell you exactly where i think it should sit i think it should set sit probably right above Sports Talk Baseball, and maybe right below Wolf Child. I, I can agree with that. I think that's a good place for it. It's just close enough to a gem, but there's a few things that hold it back. And it's so close. So that would mean that we would uh, have that be right there. Where did I have it? Okay, so... We had it right below Wolfchild, right above Sports Talk Baseball, and Shadow Blasters and X-Mutants. And then the the very first gem is Michael Jackson's Moonwalker sitting at about four, uh, 44. 
So it's going to be slotted there right at, at 46, I want to say, out of yeah. 76 games. Which, honestly, is not too bad. We've got That's about, not bad. Right now, we've got about 58% gems, 33% goods, and 9% garbage. Obviously, mm. we have to play some more garbage. And <laughs> I mean, there's, there's garbage out there. It's not oh, yeah. too hard to find. Uh, but that being said, thank you so much, uh, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Landon, for coming on with me. Next You're episode, welcome anytime. Yeah, next episode, I think, will be a Patreon pick. I want to get our Patreons involved in our show again. We are so sorry for having some a sort of a lapse, but we're definitely going to bring Landon back here. I'm going to try and do some more content with him if he wants to, wants to do it. He's sort of... Definitely. I mean, Landon's just kind of resting on his laurels right now anyways. He's not got any right. podcasts in the mix at the moment. <laughs> Semi-retired. Semi-retired. But um, just like any good pro wrestler, he's always ready to get back in. That's right. I'm always, always ready for that next payday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Woo! Woo! <laughs> so... Once again, this is the Genesis Gems Podcast. You can always find us on Facebook, on the Bit Brothers Network, on our group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Bit Brothers. We are on Anchor. We are on iTunes, Stitcher. We are also ad-free on, wait for it, patreon.com slash Bit Bros. <laughs> and once again, thank you guys for listening. Please uh, think about supporting us there. One dollar a month gets you access to all of our Patreon content and ad-free episodes and everything. And we thank you for your support. If you want to vote on what our next game should be, go on over to Patreon. We will make a post about it and we will see you in a bit. Hopefully sooner than later. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks.